From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Well, thank you for inviting me into your home, your long-haul truck, your camper, RV, taxi cab, that greasy spoon diner on Main Street, or perhaps your cabin in the woods. A special hello uh, to those of you listening in on TalkZone.com. And, of course, a warm welcome to all of you listening in on one of our growing list of affiliates in the United States. Welcome, welcome, welcome to each and every one of you. This is The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. A delight to be with you. Wow, uh, so much going on. And uh, least, uh, certainly not least, the uh, horrible, horrible massacre slaughter uh, in Paris. And interesting, what has been sort of forgotten, sadly, in all of this, yes, our mind is with Paris, the people of Paris, France, as it should be. And yes, the media has been focusing on this, but what has been sort of forgotten is a suicide bombing in South Beirut, uh, which killed dozens. I think uh, the number is up to 43. And ISIS, of course, has claimed responsibility for that as well. The day before the massacre in Paris. So I want to say that, yes, we stand with the people of Paris, but also we stand with the people of Beirut. And if you'd like to talk about that, what's been going on, we will make the phone lines available to you. We are going to go open lines, pillar to post, for the hour. And uh, let me give you the number, numbers right now, because they're they're always kind of handy when you do a talk show phone numbers. It'll be just you, me, and the telephone. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740. And then we have this wonderful out-of-town toll-free number, which is good for just about anywhere, one 866 740 And our concierge, Ian Robertson, will be happy to take your call. Now, we can talk about that. And I'm just, you know, I'm not going to say a whole lot. I want you just to speak your mind. And I will offer a comment here or there where appropriate. The other thing, of course, we can talk about, and we can talk about just about anything, keeping in mind this is a program that discusses conspiracies, the paranormal. Uh, But recently we talked with Chris Milligan from Trine Day uh, Publications, and uh, he is the editor of a real, uh, it's a seminal work, really, uh, Fleshing Out Skull and Bones. Uh, and he was on to talk about uh, the JFK assassination. And here we are, fast approaching the 52nd anniversary. So if there's some aspect of that that you want to talk about, we certainly can. Uh, but I thought what we could do right now, while we are waiting for the phone lines to light up, and they will, and they are, I can see them now. Uh, let me uh, bring in Albert Vinzel, my trusty story producer. And uh, we don't hear from Albert very often. We try to work him in when we can. And uh, he's a hard-working young man, and it's always uh, great when we can bring him on and uh, dip into the mailbag as we do from time to time. Albert, how are you? Great. Thanks, Richard. Uh, let me um, let me ask you uh, to uh, dip into the uh, mailbag quickly. We have, uh, I understand, someone actually sent a letter or they emailed. It, it's email, but it, uh, we printed it out. All right. They must have been re- listening to the Resonance show. But I, I'll just read it straight from the top. Uh, Richard, if UFOs exist, why don't their occupants land at high noon on the grounds of, on the grounds of Parliament in Ottawa 
at the CN Tower in Toronto, Times Square in New York, or Hurt Plaza in Detroit, and state their peaceful intentions. Why do they always seem to appear at night in remote areas to people who have difficulty verifying their claims? I've been in the newspaper business for 42 years, and I have dealt consistently in hard information. Thus far, I remain unconvinced. Call me a skeptic. As far as I know, there has been only one person not of this world, and they crucified him. Always enjoy the program. Jim from Port Huron, Michigan. All right. Well, Jim, uh, excellent letter, excellent question, and I, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, that's always the big question. You know, why don't they land on the White House lawn? If, in fact, they, are, they're, they have our best interests in mind, why don't they announce their presence to the world? And you mentioned uh, that you wondered if Jim was, was listening to a recent program. Was it last week? We had uh, Dr. Lana Marconi on, and uh, she's a documentary filmmaker. Her film is called The Resonance. And in that film, she features some pretty prominent UFO, ufologists, Dr. Stanton Friedman, uh, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, our very own Victor Vigiani, Patty Greer, uh, Grant Cameron from uh, presidentialufos.com, many, many more. And uh, she actually mentioned in that interview that uh, that she gets that question, and she, I, uh, I don't want to be unkind, she thinks that's a really dumb question, basically, <laughs> because... Uh, well, she approaches the whole UFO phenomenon from an entirely, well, it's not, it's, it's a fairly common uh, perspective. It's the prevailing, uh, perspective, I think, in the UFO community. And that is that we, what, when we are talking about ETs, we are talking about some in spiritually evolved being, uh, that is here, uh, sort of, you know, coming to our rescue like the cavalry. Uh, and that they're not going to uh, appear on the White House lawn because they don't believe that the the, the occupant of the White House or uh, the occupant in, uh, in in Red Square or Cap- Parliament Hill that they speak for all seven billion of us or seven and a half billion of us, uh, and that perhaps you know they exist in a different at a different uh, vibration frequency uh, frequency and so forth. Uh, which is why some people see them and some people don't, and why they seem to flit in and out of uh, reality and so forth. Uh, however, Jim, I I subscribe, and I think I understand where you're going in your letter, I subscribe to your perspective. I don't think they are here, and this is not popular with the UFO crowd, uh, but this is my my opinion, this is my perspective. Love it or lump it. I don't believe that ETs, most of them, are here to save us from ourselves. I don't think they are extraterrestrials in the sense that they come from another planet. I think they are interdimensionals and uh, quite possibly satanic or demonic, rather, demonic. Some of them may be angelic. Uh, There certainly is a long history of interactions between those from the angelic realm uh, and uh, we humans, and if you look at the again, I come back to the the uh, the abduction phenomenon. You cannot simply ignore it. The the absolutely venal, grotesque abduction of human beings, the uh, the torturous experimentation performed. If you believe that these uh, these abductions are real, 
You simply can't explain that away. Uh, I, I, I don't believe. Uh, or argue that, well, the people that, that have, that this happens to, uh, in some former life, uh, agreed to this, uh, as one explanation, um, has been given. I don't believe that. I don't buy into that. It does not square with, I believe, the biblical narrative. It doesn't. Well, it does in one way. <laughs> um, again, and I come back to the, the, the whole aspect of the, um, the demonic realm or the angelic realm. Uh, and, uh, I believe by and large we are being visited upon by fallen angels. That's my explanation of the UFO ET phenomenon, and that's not a popular one, and but I stand by it, and will continue to. Uh, thank you for the email, Jim. In was it Port Huron, Albert? Port Huron. All right. Uh, we have a time. Let's go to the phones. Uh, do we have another letter? Uh, Did you have something else there? It's it's from one of the publishers. He he uh, he says he's uh, has a new book out entitled "Victory Over the Kingdom of Darkness." And he'll send you the review copy. Excellent. All right. And, uh, and, uh, that's... Okay. Well, you get on that, Albert. I'll let you get back to work. Albert Vinzel uh, dips into the mailbag. All right. Well, here we go with the, uh, the music percolating up. That means we will take a quick time out. When we come back, we have people waiting on the lines, and we will get to them. Open lines now until we dim the lights and say good night, good morning here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard. I bid you welcome, and we'll be back shortly. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, uh, welcome back. Open lines now until the top of the hour. This uh, doesn't happen very often, but we are doing it tonight, so get on board. And uh, I mentioned before the break, we had an email from Jim in Port Huron regarding UFOs, and I mentioned um, an interview I did last week with uh, Dr. Lana Marconi, documentary filmmaker, and I just want to mention, take the opportunity... Uh, her movie is called The Resonance, and uh, I'm going to be. I've, I've been asked, and I'm honored to uh, to, to have been asked uh, to be the official MC of the official of the uh, the debut screening, which is happening Saturday, November the 21st. Saturday, November the 24th. First, uh, this is the official screening of The Resonance at the J.J.R. McLeod Auditorium. That's at the University of Toronto campus, One King's College Circle. And uh, tickets are $25 per person. Uh, it includes the premiere screening of the movie, plus a live Q&A. With, uh, there's really quite a, a, an impressive lineup of speakers, which include the Honorable Paul Hellyer, uh, um, um, Victor Vigiani, uh, Patty Greer, many, many others. I think there's about 14 people that are featured in the film that will be up on stage. And then after the screening, I'm going to be sort of facilitating a Q&A as well. And just go to drlana.com, D-R and then Lana, L-A-N-A dot com, drlana.com. And again, the film is The Resonance, and uh, a, uh, a real who's who of ufologists will be there. And, and as I said, listen, I don't necessarily subscribe uh, to um, sort of the main thread or theme of the film about, uh, you know, how we need to prepare ourselves uh, for communion with E.T. and how this is going to be a positive uh, outcome and so forth. I see it in an entirely different light, uh, but that's all right. All right, let's go to the phones. Larry is in Toronto. Larry, good evening, good morning. Welcome to, to uh, The Conspiracy Show. How are you? 
Very well. I understand that you're writing a, a, a biography about Lee Harvey Oswald. Is that true? Well, I've been wor- yes, I've been working on it for quite a while. Uh, I've been researching it quite a while, and during the course of my research, I've spoken and tracked down different people. If I can get you to speak into the phone, you're you're sounding very far away, Larry. Oh, there yeah. we are. Excellent. Now you're with good? us. Yes, much better. Okay. Have you interviewed Marina? Yes, yes. I've spoken to her uh, on a number of occasions, a couple of times. Hello? Yes, listening, oh. yes. Also, uh, I spoke to Robert Oswald, Lee's brother, right? four times. And that's uh, a, a very interesting story with him. But generally speaking, um, over the years, I've contacted different people in the assassination community, such as the late Jack White of uh, Fort Worth. Jack White, as you know, he's done some of the uh, specialists on the backyard photographs. Right, right. And uh, a recent, in a recent will... study at uh, a 3D uh, study, I think it was out of Dartmouth University, has confirmed that those photographs with Oswald with the murder weapon, uh, so, so-called murder weapon, at least the, the man liquor Carcano, uh, and communist literature, you know, it's been long suggested that, that that those photos were doctored and it was someone else's head placed on Oswald's body. Uh, those photographs are legitimate according to this study. Now that, you know, that, that's really, you know, doesn't prove or disprove anything in terms of Oswald's involvement. Where are you coming at this, uh, Larry? What is your research leading you, uh, in terms of Oswald's involvement? Well, I'm taking attack, uh, I'm looking at it, most people try to, uh, fit Oswald into their own uh, personal uh, scenario as far as uh, whether the mafia did it, the CIA did it. You know what I'm saying? Sure. No, everybody like has they, everybody yeah, has a, like, well, an opinion. Well, I think the mafia did it, so I'm going to try to like uh, put him in there. And other people, CIA or ta- whatever the case may be. My take on it is he was. It's a simple case of him being charged with a uh, crime, murder, and. Uh, I'm looking at it as simply a murder case whereby either he's innocent or he's guilty. I'm not trying to put him in any uh, slot. I'm looking at the evidence to prove him innocent. All right. That's my take. I can I'll give you an example right now that kind of blew late Harold Weisberg's mind. If you're familiar, if you're or your listeners are familiar with the assassination story, Lee Oswald, after leaving uh, the book depository at 12.30, he allegedly went home to his home in Oak Cliff, put, you know, put on a jacket, got his pistol, then made his way to uh, Tenson Patton, shot Tippett, and then was arrested in the Texas Theater about a half hour later. Right. That's the story. There's only one flaw with it. Every person... Every single person who was a witness to the Tippett murder said the man was wearing a jacket, like a windbreaker jacket. And sure enough, the police, along the escape route of the guy who killed Tippett, found a jacket put underneath, thrown in her car. Hmm. Okay? And according to some eyewitness accounts, uh, there was more than one person involved. Right. But the thing is the jacket. 
Okay. It's the FBI director, Jader Hoover, did a study in all of Oswald's clothes, and they were brought, everything he owned was brought to the Warren Commission, shown to Marina, and she went through the clothing. And he owned two jackets, okay? And we verified this, even from the FBI. He owned two jackets. One was a dark blue heavyweight jacket. The other was a light gray, uh, what they called an Eisenhower jacket. So the story is that Oswald, as I said, went home, put on his gray jacket, and shot Tippett a half hour later. There's only one problem. Lee Oswald was a two-jacket suspect, and we're dealing with a three-jacket story, because when Oswald left the book depository, he didn't have a jacket to put on, and that's why he was arrested only uh-huh. wearing a shirt. Right, right. Why? Because Marina Oswald, in her testimony, as well as Wesley Buell Fraser, in his testimony, he drove Oswald home to Marina's house on Friday evening, or on Thursday evening, the evening before the assassination. When Oswald arrived Thursday night, he was wearing his gray windbreaker jacket. And a couple of the people at the book depository said he always came to work in that same gray jacket. So he comes home to Irving, uh, excuse me, to, to Irving, yes, on Thursday evening, wearing a gray jacket, his one gray jacket. The following morning, Marina said, you know, Lee, it's going to be cold. You better put on your heavyweight jacket. And that's exactly what he did. So he goes back to the book. He goes from Irving back to work in the morning, on Friday morning, in his blue jacket. His gray jacket he wore to Irving the night before. He leaves in his blue jacket to go on Friday morning to the Texas School Book Depository, and now he doesn't have a jacket to put on. Hmm. Well, he got two. Interesting. Understand? Yeah, yeah. No, the, I mean the whole the, the whole JD Tippett thing is very odd. And then there are the you know, here's a guy that supposedly you know kills a, a police officer, uh, and then instead of fleeing the scene immediately, he deliberately stops and discards four rather vital pieces of evidence. And that would be the the you know he opens the chamber of his gun, manually ejects the cases, leaves them on the ground. That's kind of a strange um, uh, thread in this well, story as both well. Both cases were marked uh, that they were uh, they were marked uh, that they were automatics, automatic, uh, uh, automatic shell casings. Mm-hmm. And Oswald didn't have an automatic gun, so the shell casings wouldn't know that they found at the scene wouldn't have fit, uh, weren't compatible with his gun. He had a cylinder type of gun. Okay, my my understanding was, and you would you're researching this. But my understanding was that they did match the, the, the Oswald's rifle, but they or Oswald's pistol, but they didn't match the bullets in the body. Well, that's a whole contentious issue. Yeah, there are a lot of them, uh, aren't there? There are a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Uh, over the last few years, not real necessarily related to the JFK assassination, but I mean, I've just read stories recently in the last five, ten years in, a, in the Toronto Star where the FBI is accused of fabricating evidence in cases. I mean, you've come across those articles as well. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it wouldn't be the first time the FBI have been accused of yeah. manipulating it. Larry, listen, when is the uh, when is this book due to be published? Well. 
Uh, I'm I'm kind of retired now, so I'm working on it. I'm not in a right you know a rush type of thing. Right. But uh, I want to get a good. You know what I mean. I want to. I'm hoping within a year or so. Well, let's let's stay in touch, and when you get that published, I'll have you on the program, and we'll do we'll do an hour on it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, how would I get in touch with you if I wanted to send you something before that? Let's say. Just go through the website strangeplanet.ca. Oh, okay. And there's a contact page there. Okay, good enough. Larry, a pleasure. Nice Thank you. Talking to you. I don't want to keep you. I appreciate the call. All right, we'll look forward to the uh, the uh, biography on Lee Harvey Oswald. All right, let's go to uh, Hunter in Brantford, my hometown, the Bell, the Telephone City. Hunter, welcome to the Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Hey, Richard. Um, just wanted to give you uh, congratulations on your. Uh success in the United States, your popularity. I, I understand a lot of people really enjoy it when you're on the radio down there. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you, Hunter. Yeah, um, listen, I, um, I'm calling because uh, I heard something, oh, I think it was, I don't know if it was Friday night or Saturday morning, um, about the, uh, it came out of the uh, Republican uh, cat fight they're having down there for their leader. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, they uh, uh, put the blame on what's going on in the world um, right now on uh, the current uh, democratic government. and um, Well, that's what opposition parties do, right? They well, try to hang everything it really, on. That really turned my, uh, uh, make, made my hair stand up on the back of my neck. Um, the next part of what I'm going to say, I'm, I'm directing towards the people in the United States, and even though they might say, you know, it's none of our business up here, I'm, I'm just calling as a concerned citizen of the world that... Um, when they go to the polls, they need to remember who is in uh, who is in power when uh, Iraq was disseminated. It was it was an illegal war. The uh, the UN had de- determined that it was illegal, and uh, they went ahead and did it anyways. And they let, they left the power vacuum in there. That's that's creating all these problems now. Well, to be fair, you're right. You're absolutely right. Uh, the the entire uh, first Gulf War, Iraq War, was predicated on a delusion. Uh, two of them, really. One was that uh, Saddam Hussein was had a connection with Al Qaeda because Mohammed Atta, the supposed uh, chief hijacker, had met with Iraqi security officials in Prague in April of 2001. Uh, they kept repeating that lie, and that was the link. That was the connecting the dots between Saddam Hussein and Al Qaeda. Well, we know from the the, the police in, Czech, in the Czech Republic. Well, it was Czechoslovakia at that time. That meeting never took place. We know from the CIA that meeting never took place. And even after that, that lie was uh, sort of laid bare. They continued, and I say they, Dick Cheney and others, continued to. It's that's called. Uh, repetitive affirmation, right? It's right out of the propaganda handbook. You repeat the lie long enough and people believe it. The second delusion was that Saddam Hussein was building nuclear weapons. Uh, and of course we know that completely fell apart and, uh, and, uh, the Secretary of State, uh, Colin Powell was the one that was sort of pressed into service to deliver this lie to the UN, uh, General Assembly, or the Security Council rather. Now, um, so, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But, um, to be fair, the, um, the, the, the front runner in the Republican, um, race for president or for the nomination, Donald Trump, has 
talked repeatedly how he, in 2004, said it was a bad idea, and he has blamed George Bush. Here's the thing: the current crop of Republicans have very little in common, uh, you know, with the with the Bush. They're running against the Bush dynasty. So I think, you know, I think we have to put that on the record. Well, uh, current. Uh popular opinion down there is that it's going to be a, a Jeb Bush Hillary uh you know not a chance run for the wire and not, um, not a chance if uh, if that does happen I like I, I just want to repeat to the people of the United States um you know and I'll admit that um you know their fight is uh, is our uh, you know we're going to reap what they uh, they have to fight for because i mean we don't have any delusions uh, up here that you know that they um what they do doesn't affect us it, it does in in so many ways um you know the whole world depends on the united states and their power well let's not forget we were involved we were involved in that gulf war we were bombing retreating iraqi soldiers as they withdrew from kuwait that's a sorry chapter in our own history we are implicated in this all right yeah yeah i know but uh you know i'm just talking about the the hood ornament on the front of the tank right so um i i got some other things to talk about i'm gonna let your other people get on and uh i'll talk to you again richard i hope you do hunter it was great to hear from you uh and um uh say hello to everyone in my hometown brantford (laughs) take care but all right my friend Okay, uh, do we have time for another call here? No, I'm getting the, uh, the, the head shake from young Ian Robertson. We will, uh, we'll get to some more calls though when we come back. If you have a line, hold on to it. If you don't, get on board toll free from just about anywhere, and I mean anywhere. 1-866-740-4740. Different views make great conversation. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. The lines are uh, going. If you've got a line, hold on to it. We'll get to you shortly. This is, I, I have to be honest, I just find this so rich. France, of course, still reeling from this uh, horrible massacre. Uh, they are still planning to go ahead with the uh, Global Climate Change Summit in Paris at the end of the month. I want to be careful, but, you know, the, the, the French president, Hollande, has said this. His country now is at war. And I think, I think we're all headed in that direction. I think this will be our generation's next war against radical jihadists, radical Islam. And uh, I, I also want to be careful. I mean, a, a great number of, of, of moderate, reasonable Muslims and organizations coming forward condemning this, and I'm and I'm quite pleased that they've done this. Um, but there is an element out there, and it is radical Islam. The president of the United States won't say it, but it has to be said. This is this is what is staring us in the face, and not wanting to scaremonger, but let's be realistic. Why do we think we are immune in this country from what just transpired in Paris and Lebanon? There's no reason, no reason to suggest it's not going to happen here. I pray that it doesn't, but we need to be prepared. So this is soon to be our war as well. And I find the priorities of the liberal government here Uh, to be, quite frankly, to be asinine. Their priorities are global climate change and the resettling of 25,000 Syrian refugees. 
Something needs to be done for the Syrian refugees. It needs to be done in Syria. We need to stabilize that situation there. And Bashir al-Assad is not Lily White, but he's the best we've got over there. And rather than playing these silly games and trying to use Syria as a chess piece on the chess board and trying to isolate him because of his alliances with Iran, for now we need to, to come to grips with the fact that he is the best possible leader in that region. And if we think we're going to bomb Syria into the Stone Age and suddenly Thomas Jefferson is going to arise there and we're going to bomb Libya into the Stone Age and some great Democrat is going to arise there, we're kidding ourselves. Assad is about the best you're going to get in that region. And for now, we need to stabilize that. You're not going, how are you going to help the people of Syria by choosing sides in that civil war? Dropping bombs. Uh, where do you expect? How do you expect the people of Syria to react? Of course, they're going to leave. If you want to stem the flow of refugees, let's stabilize the situation. Let's let's get on board with Assad for now. We can deal with him later. But the idea that the the as we stand on the precipice of war, that our priority should be climate change, and then there are those actually making the case, and the. Uh, the most recent demo- democratic debate, that climate change and ISIS are inextricably linked. That is so rich, I can't even begin to tell you. Climate change and terror are linked. The global desire, or the, cl- the desire for a global caliphate goes back over a thousand years. And to suggest that, oh, the fact that there was a serious drought in Syria the summer before the civil war there started, is no coincidence. If you believe that, I've got some prime swampland in the Florida Keys for you. Absolutely embarrassing that they would even try to make that connection. All right, uh, our good friend, media scientist Nelson Thal joins us. Nelson, welcome, my friend. How are you? Yeah, good evening. Uh, Thanks for having me, Richard. How's everything going at your end? Well, uh, I don't, let me, let me ask you, uh, when I mentioned, uh, just a few moments ago that, yeah. you know, Hollande and France have said they are now at war. Right. I think that we're being naive to suggest or to think that, that, uh, this isn't going to be all our war, uh, very soon. What do you, what do you think of that? Am I being uh, alarmist here? No, I, th- I think that we know biblically that, uh, that uh, they're trying to get the kings of the earth, are trying to get the armies together and uh, uh, get ready for Armageddon and get them over there. So we've got the Russians are there. I'm sure the Chinese are not far. I mean, you can see how this episode just this last week uh, is definitely going to bring the king of the north together and and get the armies together to go to war there. And so eventually, we know they're going to surround Jerusalem. So uh, I de- I totally agree. I think that uh, th- th- this is a, a, a this is a major a major uh, point at which things are going to change and, and accelerate as far as what's going on in Europe. Listen, Nelson, we're coming up on a break. Hold on. We'll uh, come back and uh, discuss further. And also, if you've got a line, hold on to it. Earl in Oakville and others, we will get to your call. Delighted to do so. Open lines on The Conspiracy Show now until the top of the hour. Stay with us.
Shaking the world and seeing what falls. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. All right, uh, welcome back. Uh, next week on the program, just a programming note, Canadian JFK assassination researcher Brent Holland will be uh, on the program. And also uh, the return of uh, hypnotherapist extraordinaire Debbie Papadakis will be uh, with us. And then in two weeks' time, in two weeks' time, we're very happy to announce that uh, Graham Hancock uh, will be uh, on the program in uh, in uh, advance of his um, uh, conference here in Toronto, put on by our good friends Patrick and Kadena at Conspiracy Culture. Graham, Graham Hancock will be coming to town, I believe the date is December the 13th. Uh, he'll be on this program in two weeks' time, uh, but go to conspiracyculture.com and, cl- and click on their live events page. To find out how to uh, attend the Graham Hancock uh, um, event, uh, Nelson Thal, our media scientist friend and a JFK assassination researcher uh, himself, is with us. And you wanted to talk about uh, November 22nd, a coup d'état, uh, and how that resonates to, to, to this day, Nelson. Well, it was Penn Jones who I started working with and studying with in the late 60s, early 70s, and he always directed us to the book by Edward Lutwak called Coup d'État and pointed out that this was a major coup. And certainly to this day, the people who carried out that coup and their ilk still are in control of America. And that's quite a feat. Uh, They must celebrate every November 22nd the fact that they're still able to rule America and keep control and take over the White House and nothing's changed. They still have control of the White House. Obama's all CIA. All the different books about him show he was CIA. And, of course, CIA was controlled by uh, Guy, Gay, Reinhard Galen and uh, and uh, Walter Dornberger. And uh, that's all through the Nazi connection to the JFK assassination written by May Brussel. Well, and and that national security state was really in place even before Kennedy took office. So, so he sort of wandered into the lion's den, really not yeah. knowing. Uh, you know, he was. I mean, he really sealed his own fate. I mean, he he had toured Southeast Asia, the the developing world, as a young senator, and had you know uh, really become a critic of, of U.S. foreign policy, the use of the CIA as a mercenary force for, you know, the United Fruit Company and so forth in Central America and overthrowing democratically elected leaders. Uh, and here comes this, he wasn't exactly a dove. I think, you know, uh, uh, you know he, as he proved with Khrushchev, he was willing to stand up. But, but for Kennedy to walk into the White House, surrounded by the Dulles brothers, uh, and this... It was. It was a national security state. Uh, It doesn't matter who the occupant of the White House was at that time. Um, Step out of line, Republican or Democrat, you had that was a nail in your coffin. Yeah, that's you couldn't have put it better. That's exactly what happened. And um, it's what's happening down there. We've got uh, Jeb Bush and uh, and all connected to the same coffee company organization. So if he gets the nomination and gets into the president, then there'll be really very little there. And Hillary Clinton... You're cutting in and out, Nelson. You're cutting in and out. uh, Hillary Clinton was George Bush's lawyer on the Watergate committee. So you've got the left pocket and they've got the right pocket, and so they don't have to worry about even fixing the election. 
Well, that's true because uh, I think because uh, people still are thinking about in terms of Democrat versus Republican. But the the system is designed as it is up here, I believe, uh, for the continuity of government. So it doesn't matter who gets in. They they'll talk a good game during the election. They'll talk. They'll highlight their differences, which tend to be usually uh, centered around social issues, abortion and uh, gay rights or gun control and so forth. But once particularly in foreign policy in the United States. Uh, and, whoever yeah, gets and, in, it's, it's, a, it's, it's all about continuity of governance. And, you know, I was listening to the, the this caller you had on earlier. Anytime I heard somebody call, talking about Oswald, we've got to always remember Professor Popoff in the 70s wrote the famous book, The Second Oswald, and we know that there was even more than just two. There were three and possibly four. So whenever you're speaking to somebody about Oswald, you got to ask them, well, which Oswald? The Minsk, Minsk Oswald, or the, uh, the 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 theater Oswald, or the the one that Michael Payne and Ruth Payne looked after? There was a lot of different Oswalds, and uh, for sure, some of the Oswalds are still alive today. Well, I remember Nelson over the years when you've come into the studio and we've done JFK uh, specials, and you bring you brought that poster. Uh, that has what maybe twenty or thirty different likenesses of, yeah. of Oswald, uh, all supposedly Oswald photographs, and many of them just completely, completely different. Yeah, and of course we just uh, the book of Mary Ferry and the uh, the uh, monkey virus. Ed Haslam, about, yes. There's an Oswald that is, is working with Dr. Austin uh, Oshler and Mary Sherman. Uh, with, on, with the head of the cancer uh, institute in the state, right. so he was. It's the Oswald real Oswald is a very fascinating story that still hasn't ever come near the surface. It's very exciting, and hopefully we'll learn more about it in the future. All right, Nelson, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thanks very much for the opportunity, and uh, hopefully uh, at some point Americans will be able to break the hold on these. I don't know, maybe Trump is the guy to do it. I don't know. I don't know enough about where he's coming from, but it can't last forever. At some point, the news has got to break. Well, you know, I um, I get a lot of heat for this because Trump rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And yes, he is a braggadocio, braggadocio, uh, uh, and a, and, a, and a, a bull in a china shop. Uh, but latest polls, the latest Reuters Ipsos poll, show him now among likely primary voters in Republicans out ahead forty two percent. Forty-two percent, despite lackluster performances in the debates, uh, despite constantly inserting foot in mouth. The point is, this is historical, I think, because he, uh, unlike any other candidate uh, in recent memory, has is on the precipice of destroying the the political elites, the political establishment's hold on the election process and i say i've said this many times uh-huh. i worry about donald trump because yeah. if he if he is able to hold on to this lead and there's no stopping him jeb bush doesn't have a chance now the candidate of the establishment is is marco rubio uh-huh. uh who is jeb bush light I, I, he's he's at 10% He's well, my advice to Donald Trump is to get rid of that Treasury Department Secret Service uh, protection and get your own private protection. Exactly. Exactly. Right? I, I hear you, Nelson. 
God bless you, Richard. Thanks again. All right, Nelson. All the best. Uh, let's say hello to Earl in Oakville. Earl, good morning. Welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Hi, How Richard, are you? I'm metaphorically speaking. I'm trying to figure out who's the spider and who's the snake, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Aren't we all, my okay, friend? What I'm talking about, I want to talk to you about is what happened in Paris, mm-hmm. Beirut. Um, I'm appalled at what happened there. And... Um, I um, I think ISIS is causing racism throughout the world. What do you think? Well, that's certainly you know part of the, uh, the you know that's part of their their um, mo is to you know divide. Yeah, they're not turning all Christians against the enemy. Absolutely I mean, not. Very peace loving people. Absolutely not. Christ- they're turning Christians against Muslims, Muslims against Jews, Jews against Muslims. It's yeah, this is all part of their mo, and it's it's very effective. So yeah. we need to, and, and that's why I mentioned what's going on, what just happened in Beirut. We mm-hmm. cannot forget Beirut. We have to stand with Beirut. Why aren't we flying? The Lebanese flag at uh, you know at the football game. I just saw them flying the French colors at the uh, the Seattle mm-hmm. uh, Arizona game uh, yeah. tonight. We should be doing this. We should. Why aren't we holding a vigil for Lebanon in in uh, in in, uh, in at City Hall? We had our mayor there twice in the last couple nights holding yeah. a vigil as we should. Richard. But let's not forget Lebanon. Yeah, you have a point there, Richard. Okay, that's all I have to say. Take care, pal. All right, Earl. Thank you for that in Oakville. Uh, Yes, now we, we need to stand together uh, with, with uh, Christians, Muslims, Jews, uh, whomever, it doesn't matter. All uh, reasonable, rational, peace-loving people. And we cannot allow, uh, it's funny, you know, I, I, I still refer to them as ISIS, and someone was trying to correct me in an email earlier saying, no, it's not ISIS, it's the Islamic State, or it's ISIL, that's what they go by. I don't care what they want to be called. I really don't care. They are, they're dogs. They are, they are swine. And I, I use that term purposely because, uh, you know, obviously that's not uh, an animal that they want to be affiliated with. Well, uh, these homicidal psychopaths, um, May they go to hell. Maybe, maybe they may they be tossed into a grave with slaughtered swine. As far as I'm concerned, this is what we're up against. And yes, we all need to stand together. Uh, and I, as I said, I am I am I am heartened by the fact uh, that that good Muslims, uh, uh, peace loving Muslims, are now standing up. And let's hope that they continue to do this in the mosques throughout the West, condemning this. Let's hope that they are vigilant in the mosques, keeping an eye out, keeping an ear open uh, for this virulent pathogen that that is here. It has been planted here. It is. They are among us. I am not being alarmist. It would be... Beyond naive to assume that what happened in Paris, what's happening in Beirut, is not going to visit these shores. Brace yourselves. Let's stand together. Enough on that for now, but unfortunately this is not the uh, the last time we are going to be talking about this. Again, I want to uh, to mention next week on the program we will uh, continue along with our JFK anniversary special. Brent Holland... A uh, very interesting gentleman.
Brent's been on the program a number of times. I've been on his. He has a, a radio program out of Kingston. And if you just Google Brent Holland, you'll, you'll find that. Uh, Brent holds the distinction of, of being one of the very few Canadians who was asked to speak at the, um, the 50th anniversary in Dallas. Uh, well, that would have, that would have been two years ago. And uh, uh, Brent has um, written a number of books about uh, JFK. So he'll be with us. And then the uh, the following week, as I mentioned, uh, Graham Hancock, certainly no stranger uh, to those of you uh, who sort of follow all things alternative, Fingerprints of the Gods, one of his uh, seminal works. He's coming to Toronto in December. He'll be on this program in two weeks. Next week of, uh, as well, Debbie Papadakis just attended one of her workshops uh, recently on... Uh, uh, overcoming blockages in life uh, using hypnotherapy. She is a wonder. She is truly remarkable. And uh, she'll be with us as well. All right, uh, Ian, thank you as always. Albert, always a pleasure. Back next week with a brand new program. Hope you'll be along for the ride. It'll be a wild one, I'll guarantee that. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There is nothing concealed that won't be revealed, nothing hidden that won't what won't be made known what you hear in the dark speak in the light and what i say in a whisper proclaim from the housetops move over aphrodite i'm coming home good night <laughs>